Are you owning your own building? That nice car that you drive, do you actually own it? If your school is so successful, your school should become really an avenue to invest. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. Hi, this is George Free, and welcome to another episode of the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast, episode number 19. I have with me today Master Fari Salievsky from KMA Champion Martial Arts in Sydney, although they have several locations around Australia. And we have an interesting martial arts business conversation about ownership, owning your actual school and not renting, using your martial arts school as a vehicle to fund investments. We talk about 34 years in the business and how things have changed and bringing in things like recurring billing and and things that have obviously taken for granted today, but getting that process started way back in the day. Now, discussing the topic of ownership, I'd like your feedback. We, We talk about ownership, about obviously the physical school, and that got me started on something that I haven't really spoken about, which is owning your digital assets, which is a very, very important component when you build your build out your website and your internet properties, but it's one that is completely missed in most modern day training. So people don't really focus about it. But at the end of the day, if you're building a business for longevity, you want to own digital assets as you might want to own a building. Or is that something that you do not agree with? I know there could be a lot of contradicting opinions on that, whether you should own something or rent something. At the end of the day, is ownership really better? Yes, mostly but some people say it's not. So what's your take on that? Below the show, and you can do that with every show basically, and this one at martialartsmedia.com forward slash 19, right below the transcript, you can leave your name and email address and fill in a comment and start a debate. If you have any questions or something that you don't agree with or agree with, then raise that and let's discuss and evaluate a few options. I know for me in my marketing business, I don't own a physical location because I don't need to. I can just work from home, which is awesome. And that's the way I wanted to have it set up in the beginning. That I can work with remote staff and work with people all over the world, which is what I do. So I have only one person in Perth that I work with. Everybody else is located in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. So that's for me. But when I talk about ownership, am I into digital ownership? Oh, yes. I want to own every single property and put my primary content on a website that I own. And this is a topic that I'll I'll dig a bit deeper into and elaborate more on. So this episode, we're getting right there stuck into the business. You're going to get a lot of value from this, or it's going to create a contradicting opinion. Who knows? If it does, whether it does or not, leave a comment below the show notes, martialartsmedia.com forward slash 19. That's it from me. Please welcome to the show, Master Fari Salievsky. Good day, everyone. Today I have with me Master Fari Salievsky. Now, Master Fari Salievsky has been in the industry a good 34 years, 
started the whole craze of fortnightly billing in Australia and a whole bunch of other things that we're probably going to touch on in this interview. So welcome to the call, Fari. Thank you. Nice, uh, nice, nice chatting with you. Awesome. So I guess let's start right at the beginning. And who is Fari Salievsky? <laughs> you know, sometimes I ask myself that question as well. So I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, still evolving. But uh, look, I like to consider myself a martial artist first and foremost. You know, there are some uh, people in, in in the industry that know me as, you know, the guy that probably uh, was the first to start marketing uh, Hapkido and, you know, doing a whole lot of seminars in the early 90s. You know, from 2000, people probably knew me um, as, you know, the guy that set up a whole lot of martial arts business seminars. But, you know, for me, uh, it's about being the martial artist first and foremost. So let's go, let's just go back to give everything some context. When did you start, uh, how did your martial arts career sort of evolve? Where did you start teaching? How did you start? Okay, um, I started teaching in, um, in 82. And I started teaching for you know, a man called Chung Wu Lee. And that was in the inner city Redfern. And I actually opened up my very own school in 1986 in Newtown, a suburb of inner city Sydney. So that, and that, so that was your first location? Correct, yes. And eventually that became a, from a full-time school in, um, in 98, if some Sydney siders remember, there was a very big hailstorm that had the size of baseballs. The, the building that I was in was uh, closed uh, and I went from a full-time school, a thriving uh, full-time school to a part-time school in fact, that school has now moved to Erskineville, the next suburb down, still a part-time school. And at the time, I started to look for other locations. I had a, a part-time Bankstown school and a part-time Liverpool school. In January 2000, I opened what still is and became my KMA headquarters. Okay, great. Now... That's that's a long time ago. So so working working your way through, and you've been doing this for thirty four years, which is a, you know a big lifetime for most people. How's things evolved? I mean, what were the sort of first problems you encountered at that time, and and moving forward to now? Uh, look, I have to say that at two thousand, when uh, when I purchased, um, not least, but purchased my premises, I made the big decision to change everything that I did. And I have to say that, you know, billing was a, uh, was a key part of that. In 98, with my, uh, you know, with the house storm, you know, I learned relying on, you know, in a very hard way, I learned relying on loyalty, you know, that the martial art teachers, um, relying on that just wasn't enough. The fact is that Within a matter of two weeks from move, moving virtually across the road to a, you know, a school gymnasium, uh, I'd lost, well, virtually, I ended up with only 30% of my students. And in 2000, I decided to, you know, virtually go across America. Uh, I did a martial arts tour looking at the very biggest schools and, um, and I came back and, I um, I started 
billing. In other words, having direct debit, students on direct debit. Okay, let's just go back quickly, the hailstorm. Just to give it a bit more context for people that's not familiar with, with that, what, what, was the, what was that about? What was the impact? Well, you know, if you look at the size of baseballs, basically destroyed the building. You know, I was in the Police Citizens Youth Club. People will know that building for uh, great famous boxers like, you know, Jeff Fennick, uh, Costa Zoo, you know, especially Jeff Fennick, who, you know, I still uh, admire quite a bit, you know, an Australian icon. You know, they had the boxing room. I had the martial arts room. And, you know, I, I, I was the guy that brought all the kids in especially, you know, and, you know, the PCYC movement is predominantly about kids. You know, I had all the kids in that area. And the fact is that, you know, at the time, you know, the inner city was evolving and, you know, the PCYC headquarters in their wisdom believed, you know, there weren't many, many kids or weren't enough kids in the inner city. You know, and I, I don't want to offend anyone, but they actually said, you know, the words to effect of, you know, gays do not have kids. And the, the money, and real estate was pretty expensive even back then, the money that they would generate by selling the building would open up a lot more centres uh, in areas where they believed there was a lot more kids. So, you know, I was not the landlord and I found myself out on, um, you know, literally on the street. I mean, I ended up across the road in a gymnasium, but, you know, that was a very tough lesson for me because even though I was uh, into property investing, I didn't have, you know, I didn't own the commercial premises. And that was the big wake-up call for me. And, um, you know, in hindsight, um, as, you know, as difficult as it was, I, um, that spurred me on to, you know, to purchase and for me to become the landlord in commercial premises and, um, and guarantee my longevity in the martial arts. Okay, and, and what did you base that dis- decision on? Because it sounds like you did that quite early that you decided, all right, you're going to your, purchase your actual premises. Well, that was in, um, look, the, we were out on, our, on the street in about, um, I think it was roughly August of 98. So I did not purchase until December of 99. It took me that long. And I was in, operating out in the operating out of uh, part-time centres. So, you know, we were ready to open in January 2000 in premises that I owned uh, and I still own. And, you know, uh, there's quite a few, you know, different opinions on, um, you know, whether people should, you know, lease or people should buy. But I can tell you that's one very good example of why people should should buy. You know, you're the landlord. You know, I... uh, Nobody can kick me out. And you know what? I've had two martial arts schools in that street, you know, competing against me. And the fact is, both of them are gone. And, you know, I would doubt very much anyone will be able to come in and uh, establish themselves in the heart of Liverpool City. If, you know, if they do, it's going to be a very expensive bill for them to rent and compete with someone that's not paying rent. Right. So, is, is, would you see that as the biggest advantage? That it's it's a financial competitive edge when you, because uh, I mean, obviously the, the the purchase can be quite expensive initially. Look, you know, the purchase, regardless of the price, the fact is that you know the the first school that was competing against you know across the road from me, you know, what they were paying in a week was less than what I was paying in my monthly repayments, you know, as a loan. That's the fact. 
you know, and 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 I remember the words, the fact of you know my opposition school, you know, you're an idiot. Well, you know, I I would argue that I think you're the idiot for you know paying a hell of a lot of money uh, when you could have bought it and you didn't realise it was an absolute you know bargain across the road. You know, I bought it not to compete with anyone. I bought it because it was a great real estate deal. Uh, and in the end, you know, the person that you know, said I was an idiot ended up moving out in less than two years. If you were to give anybody advice on, on purchasing the, their premises or a premises where they'd like to move in, is there any sort of pointers that you would, sort of key points that you would look at before you, before you take on that, that move? Look, uh, obviously, you need to start at a part-time location. You know, you need to, you know, crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run, you know. That's the goal. You know, uh, back then, I didn't know of really anyone that actually owned. Now, it's, you know, I know lots of people that, you know, that actually own their premises. And, and I sort of compare that very much to, you know, um, the guy that ran the, the, the four-minute mile. You know, nobody believed you can, you know, you could break the four-minute, you know, barrier and, you know, the fact is that once one guy did it, you know, within a few months, you know, there was like a half a dozen guys that did it. Uh, but before that, nobody could do it. Uh, and it's very much like, um, you know, the same in owning your, your, your premises. And, um, you know, and that's what I find quite fascinating. I'll always get guys, especially, you know, you know some of the, um, you know, business advisors, uh, business gurus, martial art business gurus in America, they're there, you know, and quite openly bagging owning your building and I don't understand why they would actually do that there's benefits in owning there's benefits in in leasing and I can understand uh, leasing and I can understand you can you know it's much easier you can pick your location but you know what I picked my location and I bought if you can buy and become the landlord always buy because at the end of the day if you look at what I bought it and what it's worth now it's an absolute, you know. I mean, it's a uh, even if it were, if it was not a bargain then, uh, even if I got ripped off back then, it's still a bargain compared to today's prices. That's the fact, and that's real estate, especially in Sydney. You're always going to move forward. You're you're sitting on a you know financial nest egg, and you know you're happy to spend a bit more money on it. You know, I've got uh, you know air conditioning um, to the value of over thirty five thousand dollars. I'm happy to spend it because I own the premises. And that's just one example. Definitely, it's a it's a conversation. I I'm probably going to have a lot more on. Look, I, I look at it from the marketing side, of course. But you know, when you look at digital assets, which is something that's very neglected in the internet space, people you might rent their website on a different platform or invest all their all their assets into social networks that they don't complain that they don't don't own as such. And I see it as a big problem in the long the longevity of your business because you know there was there was things like MySpace back in the day which everybody ditched their websites and moved all their digital assets to MySpace and we all know what happened to that. And when you don't own your actual assets, whether digital or physical, you're always going to be at that risk of you don't have the control. So you on you're playing on someone else's field basically. Well, you know, that's why I, I find amazing that uh, there's people, you know, recommending from the outset, this is the only way, this is what you do. And the fact is, you know, the reason they're recommending why you lease is because they're leasing. It's, you know, and I, 
I, I sort of question, is that the advice you're giving because it's the actual best advice or is that the advice you're giving because to justify why you're leasing your premises? Yeah, always interesting. <laughs> so, so let's jump back to the, to the billing side. Now, it's, it's something that's kind of taken for granted in today because it just, it, I guess it is the norm. So, but you did touch on earlier that you, you toured America and you, you had a look at the bigger schools and then you, you took away that concept. Can you, can you elaborate a bit more on that? Look, the, the focus that having you know, uh, a good mix uh, and a focus that it allows you to concentrate on you know, teaching. And you know, we even, you know, even to this day, I say to potential new members, you know, why... You know, we do building or billing or we do, you know, paid in full. The reason we do that is because I do not want to spend time, you know, collecting fees. I want to do it right now and then I want to then focus on you as a student. And it's simple, you know. And we ask them, would you like for me to spend more time on collecting fees or do you want me to spend more time on teaching you or teaching your child? And obviously the answer is, I want you to focus on teaching. And... For that reason alone, um, they're the only options we offer. And look, we do some casual classes, and if it's a workout class, for example, um, but that's only on the workout classes that we have. We have a casual option, and even then, you know, people are, uh, are purchasing in groups of ten. So, you know, it's always what is best for the school, best for the business, unashamedly. And in the end, it's best for the student because, let's face it, you know, in, uh, in our example, we own the premises. That's a huge commitment. We invested heavily not only in premises but in equipment. But um, by investing, we've made a commitment. It's not wrong to ask for members to make a commitment in order to start. You know, we're in the martial arts business. We're not in, you know, we're not playing ping pong. It's not a seasonal sport. So for me to change habits, for me to make someone better than what they you know, were before they came in, I need a commitment and bill in or paid in full. And I say both those things, paid in full. It's not wrong for me to ask people, okay, I don't want to do direct debit. What other options do I have? Okay, more than happy for you to pay in full. Why? Both those things will give me my goal of a commitment. I have a minimum 12 months that you want to train, at our school, it's tw- it's a twelve month commitment minimum. What's your what's so what's your take on the whole billing industry as such within the martial arts arena? What are the options and so forth? Look, I think there are advantages and disadvantages to everything out there. Ultimately, ultimately, it's what's best for you. I don't believe that you should be getting your business advice from your billing company, for example, and it's not. You know, that's just my opinion. You know, if, for example, a billing company would not want you to do paid in full, why is that? Why would you think they would not want you to do a paid in full? They don't get the billing fees. (laughs) Well, correct. There's no commission, right? There's a whole lot of things that they want you to incorporate in the billing. You know, to me, that's, look, and that's biased advice. And obviously, it's not in their interest. So, look, for me, I just, you know, each to their own. I just don't believe in, a, in, in giving a percentage of the business. There's a lot of ways of co- um, collecting fees and, and paying a percentage is very much like a franchise. And, and again, look, I think it's good if you're 
smaller and you're not you're not turning that much over but you start turning over uh, you know a decent amount of money and that percentage can add up and you might say that percentage is tax deductible fantastic you know so is my new car that I can buy every year. so is that you know those trips so is my next property so where do you want to spend your money well I, I have a very different view of where I want to spend my money for someone that wants to take on a billing company is there anything else they should be assessing to evaluate their decision of who to go with for me it's you know what's best for you I, I prefer a transaction fee myself a flat transaction fee that my uh, you know my student pays that you know be it 50 cents be it a dollar be it a dollar 95 on top of your fee it's very uh, transparent if your fee is $60 a fortnight for example you, know, you get $60 a fortnight in your account simple anything and above that is, is the is the fee very simple to understand you know a hundred students is you know at a, at, at sixty dollars that's you know you just got six thousand dollars simple the moment I start doing percentages I really can't justify paying a flat percentage when um, unless it's the McDonald's franchise so for how, how do you feel the the Indian industry has evolved good or bad from when you started Look, I think, look, having the open door, having opened the door for the business of martial arts, now I think people have gone a little bit too over the top. And it's quite ironic because one of the pet hates of school owners is splintering. And what I mean by splintering is you build a student up and, uh, and you've taken all that time to develop that student, becomes a great black belt, he works for you, and then that loyal martial arts black belt that you built up to be a great instructor to help him build up great relationships within the school then decides to become your competitor not far away and attack your student base and probably that's the you know the, the probably the pet hate of every school owner in splintering but you know what um, they've done the same thing in the business of martial arts so many have want to you know, be this representative, that representative, oh, I'm going to bring this guy and that guy. You know, there's already a wonderful base of people and organizations. Why reinvent the wheel? At the end of the day, the people that have, you know, started out have actually done quite well. And so what's happening is the next generation of people, how that can make some noise, is a whole lot more hype. And unfortunately, you know, there are some that are getting caught up with the hype. Aussies, I think, in my view, we don't like the hype. So I'm, I don't need to oversell to get more members. I don't need the hype. I just need a good product, you know, the, all the essentials, and we need to keep it simple. But they want to hype things up so much. I don't believe you should, you know, get a potential new student and lock yourself away in the back room not to be disturbed to sign them up. Really? I mean, what are we buying? Are we buying a house? Are we buying a car? We're doing a deal that we don't want to be interrupted on? You know what? I'll do it at the front counter. I want them to see where they're going to join. See that big crowd there on the floor? You're going to be part of that big crowd. And you're not going to see that big crowd in the room out the back floor. So, you know, all this hype, all this big sell, constantly looking to upsell in order to increase your, you know, your, your sales for that month and turn, turn your turnover. You know, Aussie schools, and the fact is this, you know, we, we now have a very good friend of mine. You've met him, and I won't mention the name now because there's obviously figures involved, but we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars 
a month in turnover, and that's in, and that's in, not just turnover, but that's in straight out membership fees that they collect. And and I would challenge any school in America that can do that amount of turnover strictly on student fees. I mean that that is phenomenal. You know there are people that will get maybe uh, you know half that in a month, but that will include upgrades and you know testings and products and you know things like that. But you know what? We don't need to sell anything else. We've created a base of success on straight out membership fees. And of course, you can do all those other things. But our focus and emphasis has been not on sales, has been on membership. Because you're guaranteed that you're getting paid every two weeks or every four weeks, whatever it may be, you're getting paid on student fees. Guaranteed. And you know what, to me, that's that's real success. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't get too excited about trying to turn my staff into salespeople, if you can understand that. So where do you, do you, do you feel this hype comes exactly from this? Because, I mean, the, the majority of the leadership, I guess, comes from America with different systems. And I know there's a vast difference. I mean, I moved to the States for sales years ago, and uh, I couldn't sell for the life of me in America and I and then I learned the American way and then I moved back to Australia and people frowned at me in Australia and I had to adapt again and I and that, that to me was such a key thing that I there's there's such a different way of communication and when people are creating websites and things like this that same principle applies because that's your virtual communication 100%. Look your your website's going to reflect your personality and what you do. You know, we don't need to be blowing trumpets and whistles. And I, I just think, look, you know, Australians, they want to buy. You know, people came to school to buy. They called you because they want to buy. You don't have to sell, oversell. You know, we're really in the information business. You know, there are the right things to say, the right things to keep it simple. But I don't need the hype because, again, you come back from an Anthony Roberts seminar and you're all hyped up, right? If someone does a big sell on you're all hyped up. But how long does that hype last? You know what? When someone joins, I want that hype to last for the next well, 20 years. I want martial arts for life, ideally. If I'm all based on hype, you're not going to have a student for life. And, you know, people might say, well, you know, the average student only stays there three or four years anyway. Well, that's fine. Regardless, they're not going to be there for hype. They'll be there even less for hype. Excellent. Anyway, that's just my view. It's not there to downgrade or anyone, but this philosophy, you know, based on not the overhype, uh, and again, I would challenge anyone that is against that or doesn't agree with it because the fact is the biggest schools in the world are here in Australia, the most profitable schools are here in Australia, and the most, I mean, true success. And I'm not talking just I have a 1,000 students or 2,000 students came through my premises this week Great. What did those 2,000 students that came through this week, what did that cost you? Are you owning your own building? That nice car that you drive, do you actually own it? If your school is so successful, your school should become really an avenue to invest. You know, what have you invested? Uh, And they'll always be trying to do something to generate more funds. But I can tell you, if your school 
becomes a, a, an investment arm of buying properties, you know what? That's investment because you'll be making money in your sleep. And I would ask, and my question in finding, whether it be a mentor or whatever, I don't care what your business is worth. I don't care what you're worth. What do you actually own? If you stop working tomorrow, how long will you survive? And you know what? That's a big question. And the biggest schools in this country, the most successful, and I can tell you it's not the current generation. It's from the generation before. They're very old school. I can tell you if they stop working tomorrow, they stop teaching or whatever, I can tell you that will do just fine. <laughs> so let's talk about success and let's talk about your success. I mean, you, you, you have 16 locations yourself. What, what do you equate to your success? Keeping it simple. Don't hype. Try and, you know, minimize your debt. Minimize, you know, unnecessary expenses. And, you know, look, the fact is, when I was driving around in my Ferrari, it sort of, and I actually think that was the worst thing that I probably could have, you know, shared in the martial arts industry because there's a generation of people now, you know, thinking they open up a martial arts school, they're going to have a Ferrari. That's the goal. You know, for me, it's not about owning the Ferrari or owning the Lamborghini. It's putting yourself in a position to have the choice, you know, because there will be some people say, I'd never waste this sort of money. That's fine. It's, it's, it's good that you say that, and it's probably good advice. But, you know, the person that said, you know, you should never waste that money, are, are you or will you ever be in a position to buy that Lamborghini or the Ferrari? You know, are you saying it because you're just a smart, intelligent person, or are you just saying it because you'll never be able to afford to buy one regardless? <laughs> right? And I'm not being cheeky, but, you know, that's just a fact. Put yourself in a position where you can have that choice. And if you do buy it, and if you do buy it, don't go borrowing money. You know, a car costs you money. It's an expense. It's extra money that you want to burn, be it for tax purposes or whatever. You know, it's play money. But get yourself in a position where you have that play money, but only after you own some property. You've got some real assets. You've got a foundation for real success. You know, the fact is, you know, the, the rich person will buy and invest for example, in a property, and a poor person will buy the car. You know, and even your own home, and owning your own, own home is great, it's fantastic. But your own home is an expense. It's an asset, yes. You can use that to help you buy other things, but it's not producing an income. So, you know, my view of success, you know, is not, you know, what you see on face value. You know, and, and I see, you know, People walking around, you know, our business is valued at millions, this, millions, that, but, okay, it might be valued. It doesn't mean that you actually turn them over each and every day. And, you know, I've now bought a Rolls Royce. Fantastic. Did you buy it in cash? Who knows? But the point is that Australians, especially, a little bit more conservative. The goal is always to own your own home and, you know, have the stable income. But again... You know, I think people are getting caught up too much with the, with the hype and, and success has become, you know, different things. Ultimately, to me, is to be able to live a lifestyle teaching what you enjoy and not have the pressure, financial pressure, to do that. To me, that's success because, you know, you can't beat peace of mind. I don't want to be looking at my next student as, 
you know, how much money will I make? Oh, I need to get this extra student to pay my, you know, bills or buy my next car. You know what? I want that person to join because I actually believe this will be the best thing for them. Absolutely no doubt in the world. And if they join, I have the platform and experience of teaching that, you know, in, in all our centers that we share in success. And to me, that, that is success. But, you know, to have the pressure, the hype, the, I honestly find that quite, quite sickening. Excellent. So before we wrap it up, I'd, I'd like to ask you, what's your goal for the next five years? I mean, you've expanded uh, to 16 locations. You have been in the industry for a long time. Where do you, what's, what's the next step for you? We have several locations under review currently. You know, there is a process of becoming a KMA school. So we are not obsessively looking to expand. My goal, if you wish, there's a, there's a natural growth of becoming a, you know, a, a KMA school. It's not something that we necessarily plan, but I think it's important for school owners in particular to give being black belts that want to grow themselves, that want to follow in your path, you need to give them an avenue, an opportunity to be able to grow just as you have done. That's an important note because it's not to help you grow, it's to help them grow. Having a model where um, it's very much a win and not making people feel like an employee, that's essential. And my goal is you know, to very much for them to be, you know, in a position like I am and not feel like, you know, they're my employee. They're not my employee. I want them to succeed even more than and achieve more than what I have ever done. And I mean that sincerely. Awesome. Fari, thank you very much for your time. If people want to learn more about you and get, in, get hold of you, where can they do that? Okay, well, we've got martialartsprofessionals.com. Martial arts professionals, the MAIA, Martial Arts Professionals, represents the Martial Arts Industry Association in America. Uh, we also have a good relationship, local relationship with the MAIA here. But being the, the business arm, I try and link with, and again, not reinventing the wheel, but they're obviously in the US. But, you know, we bring some things in here. We help digest and localize it and provide you know a world of resources with local support and the biggest schools in australia uh have been and uh, you know what are still our members and to me that's a wonderful network you know and the best guys the most successful guys are not swap and change guys that they've built on it and and in building on that foundation are still there regardless of how much they turn over and have become not just the biggest in Australia, but have become the biggest in the world, which I'm very proud of. Thank you very much for your time, Fari. I hope to connect with you soon. Have a great day. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for Master Fari Salievsky for sharing knowledge. We are going to come back for a second show 
and elaborate on a few topics and ramp it up a little. So I'd like to know from you, what did you like? What didn't you like? What do you agree on? What did you not agree on? Do you agree with the ownership? Do you prefer the, the renting strategy? What? How do you feel about the show? So if you go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash 19, the number 19, and right at the bottom, you can leave a comment, share your perspective, share your opinion. We'd love to hear from you. Start a debate. Um, obviously, keep it friendly. And let's have a chat about the episodes and how you feel about the matters and what else we should be covering. If you got good value out of this show and any other show for that matter, do help us out. Head over to iTunes, martialartmedia.com forward slash iTunes, and you'll see there a sort of weird looking picture of me. Right below that is a blue button, view in iTunes. If you click on that, it takes you through to iTunes and you can leave us a review. Five-star reviews will help us ramp up the show and get more listeners and bring more great guests to the show. But an honest review would be much appreciated from you. That's it. We will be back again next week with another great episode and look forward to chatting to you then. If you have any business queries and you need any help with your business marketing, especially leading into the new year, then get in touch with us. You can go to martialartsmedia.com and contact us there or even better yet, download our martial arts business plan for online media. That'll help you give you a bit of a perspective on a holistic view of marketing your business online and bringing in new members and reach out to us. Just reply to any of the emails that you receive. Get in touch with us and we're happy to have a chat and see how we can help you grow your martial arts business. Thanks and I'll chat to you next week. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.